It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Regardless of what life gives you in life may knock you down a couple times, you still just get back up. And so um, I would say my mom, the military is a combination of each other. But I think that it can be learned as you go through real estate. And it's going to be something that you're going to have to endure if you want to stay in this game. Because real estate is tough. It is tough. Entrepreneurship is tough, but real estate is really tough. Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. Hey, 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 welcome back everyone to another episode of the Share the Wealth Show. This is the show where we discuss strategies on how to build, grow, and protect minority wealth. And Today, I have with me Miss Arielle DuVernay. Said it right. I, every yes. time, because I, it's so, I just never want to mess it up. It's so beautiful. Okay. Oh, my goodness. So, I just met Arielle last month, um, but she's been phenomenal, a powerhouse already, like giving so much value. We've been on calls, like, she's just so giving with information and resources. And I love it. And I'm so glad that she agreed to be with us here today because guys, this lady is busy, 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 busy. And so super blessed that you took out time today. So thank you so much for coming and joining with us. You're quite welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Okay. So just start off. The listeners know nothing about you, who you are. Well, some might, your, your followers will. But tell them who you are and what you do and how you kind of got there. Okay. So thank you again for having me on. So my name is Abriel DuVernay. I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Um, after two short Brooklyn, <laughs> my mom was <laughs> in South Carolina. So I grew up in Fort Mill, South Carolina, where I attended Fort Mill High, graduated. I went into the military. I did 20 years in the United States Air Force. After leaving the Air Force, I started in real estate. And so um, I met Nicole um, on last month and real estate is what I do. I eat, breathe, and love real estate. So um, I'm glad to be here to talk about real estate today. So that's what I do. Nice, nice. Okay, so I know from your presentation speaking um, at the conference that you are a contractor, right? Like you're, so guys, 
as I say, guys, sorry, ladies, guys, listeners, anybody listening right now, this is a black woman contractor. That's super rare. It's already rare to see us in real estate in in certain capacities, but as a contractor, one, to be a woman in the contracting world, and two, to be a black woman in the contracting world, like I haven't seen that really, like that's, is super rare. So what made you get into being a contractor and wanting to do flips? So I start, I started out on this journey as an investor, right? And so as I went along on this journey, I started to add things to my tool belt and mm. so contracting was one of them. And the reason that I got so intrigued about the contracting work is because I was in the field working um, a few times and there were, you, this field is a male dominated space, right? So mm-hmm. we male dominated space. So um, I experienced being taken advantage of in the field, right? And it's because I didn't know my numbers. I didn't know how much material costs. I didn't know how much it was to uh, maybe you to lay towel, to um, lay flooring. So I felt myself being taken advantage of in the field. And so for me, I wanted to make sure that I knew my numbers and when I am doing a flip to cut down on costs, make sure that I'm not overpriced for the things that the contractors were charging me. I went and got my contractor license, right? And so I began to learn about contracting because it was very important if you're investing and if you're doing anything in this field, you need to know your numbers. So that's why I thought it was important for me to go get my contractor license, learn the game inside and out, so I could not be taken advantage of again while. Okay. Give me an example of how, you know, like you were t- getting taken advantage of. So what happened was um, I had someone that was charging me to lay floor. And so um, I was looking at a nearby home. And so oftentimes when I'm doing a flip, I'm walking nearby homes just to see the material, to see what the design plan that they have in there. And so there were people, there were contractors in there that were laying floors. And so I started having a conversation with them and I discovered that the individual that was laying the floor in that house was charging the investor a dollar and 25 cents. I was being charged $5 and 46 cents for laying floor. And I was right around the corner from this home. It wasn't the same team though. Okay, they would have known your face. Okay, so it was a different team, but still that's a- it's a difference. Yes. So that's how I discovered that I was being taken advantage of. So I went back to the contractors that were working on my home. I questioned them about it and they became very aggressive with me. So at that point in time, I knew that if I didn't get out here and learn the contracting work, that I was going to be taken advantage of again. It may not be by the same team, but I'll be taken advantage of again. So that was my whole reasoning for going and getting my contractor license and learning everything I could about contracting. Okay. And how long do you feel like it took you, because you start learning and the more you do, the more you learn, right? And Mm -hmm. the more you do, the more you learn, the more expert you get and niche you get with the numbers and and being really granular there. Mm -hmm. So how long did you think the process, like from the time, the first time you started, you decided to start doing contracting work was what was the time frame before you got your contracting license and then about how long in doing did it take before you felt like you were competent enough to call contractors out on their bs or subs out on the bs when they're mispricing you or price gouging you 
So every, every flip is different, right? And so um, every team that you bring in, the contractors that you bring in, they're going to quote you something totally different. So it's still times where I feel like I'm being taken advantage of. And so I have people that I really, really rely on now and that I run numbers by them if I feel like something is off. So I'm still learning. So I can't say that guys still are not trying to take advantage of me because it still happens, right? But I'm so comfortable because I know the market that I'm in. And so this is why it's important knowing the market that you're in. So I know this market that I'm in. I stay in the areas where I know what the cost of laying floor, laying tile, um, doing sheetrock, I know the cost of that area. So I stay in areas that I'm familiar with. And if I'm not familiar with that area, I'm making sure that I go out and I do my market research to make sure that, hey, in this area, what is it costing them to lay tile? What is it costing them to do sheetrock? What is it costing them to do mud, paint, texture, and all of that? So I think just knowing the area that you're flipping in or knowing the area that you're renovating in, that's like really key. So there's still times I have to run. I mean, I have partners, right? So I'll run it by them like, hey, does this sound about right? And then they'll be like, mm, yeah, it's kind of it's high. So then I'll go back and have a conversation with the contractors and be like, hey, um, I think that I can find another crew to do it for this. Would you consider doing it for this? I want to work with you, but would you consider doing it for this? And so then they'll come back and be like, mm, that's really not what we want to do. But yeah, we'll go ahead and consider. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm still learning every day. So the contracting work, got me into the project management also, right? Of actually learning how to manage my project too. And so I know that we'll talk about that later, but the contracting got me into project management. So that's where I really, that's where I really like to play is project management. Nice. And I just want to call out to the point that Ariel just dropped a major negotiating gem there. In case you didn't hear it, she framed her negotiation in the way of, I still want to work with you, but I can find someone else to do it this way. I'm bringing it to you first because I would rather work with you. You know, like that's a negotiation tactic that I have heard of in just, in so many different facets, even like in lending, if you're working with a broker, like, or a bank, you're building a bank relationship. Oh, I, I really want to work with you guys. Um, I do know another lender that could do these terms. Would you be able to match that? Cause I would rather work with you and build this relationship. So when someone knows that there's going to be future, um, activity and business relationship, and you're an active investor and you're going to be doing more business with them in the future, a lot of people see that as part of their business plan and are, are growth-minded enough to want to build that relationship because that's future revenue for their business as well. Absolutely. Looking to build wealth with real estate? Are you all tapped out on YouTube University and ready to get help tailored to your specific situation and goals? Have you always known that you are a little different from the crowd, that you never liked following the status quo, and that you're just tired of living in mediocrity? You want to build wealth on your own terms outside of Wall Street? Well, you know, then maybe the Microfamily Mavericks Mentorship Program can help with that. It's a community where I handhold you through the process of buying your first small commercial multifamily building because not everyone is ready for 100 units out the gate. Why multifamily? Because it gives your rental income a hedge against vacancy. Imagine what happens when your single family rental tenant leaves, right? And why commercial five plus units? Because you have much more control over increasing the building's value in the commercial space, and then in turn, increasing your own net worth. 
starting small is a stepping stone to so much more because then you can tap that equity and buy another building and another and another and you get the point so increasing your cash flow and your ability to be job optional along the way it's all a part of the journey so if you think big but you want to start small and if you know multifamily real estate is a way for you to open the door to building a life of freedom abundance and legacy but you just need someone to guide you step by step and you want to be surrounded by other people on the same journey doing the same thing then just click the link in the show notes to find out a little bit more about the microfamily mavericks and i look forward to potentially seeing you on the inside so now back to the show so that was great okay so i want to backtrack a little bit okay so how did you come like how did you get introduced to the idea of real estate investing and how the and I know you said you were looking at all different aspects of being an investor and making sure that you were competent. So that's what led you into the contracting um, and project management side of things. But like what even got you into real estate and into investing at all? Did you come from that kind of family as a background? Did you go to a seminar? Like what happened there? So I got intrigued with real estate because I seen my uncle, Uncle Jackie, take care of it. And so I thought that my uncle was going to be my coach. I thought he was going to be my mentor. I seen him take care of our family during crisis using real estate, right? And so I got intrigued at that time. And so I was like, hey, um, when I graduate or when I finish, you know, the military, when I retire, I want to come and work with you. And I want you to teach me everything that you know about real estate. And tragically, six months after my retirement, I lost him. So- mm a whirlwind trying to find someone that I really and truly trusted to teach me the game, right? So one, um, I had seen the way that he handled some of the men in the field. And so in the field as a woman, I got kind of intimidated. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to learn it and learn it the correct way. So what I did was I went and I worked for about a year for a district judge because I have a degree. I have a um, I have a master's in criminal justice and I also have an MBA. And so I was like, well, I'll just go work for, um, you know, a judge or at the jail or something. And um, one day I was driving to work and it was almost like my uncle was sitting in the passenger seat. And he said, you're not happy. I need you to go out here and I need you to pick up the phone, call some of the people that I was working with to see if they will actually bring you on as a coaching uh, client. So I remembered a couple of friends that he had. So I reached out to them and asked them if they would teach me the game um, and that I was, you know, uncle, oh, I was Jackie Steele's niece. And so they took me in, I went and I set up under them and I learned for a little bit. And then I said, hey, I'm, I'm gonna take this bull by the horns. And so I started down here in Texas and I bumped my head a couple of times. And then I was like, you know what? I really want to do the fix and flip. So let me really and truly like buckle down. Let me learn the game of fixing and flipping. And so I went and I invested in myself. I made a large deposit with a company and um, people look at me now and they be like, you're crazy. Are you, are you kidding me? You spent $50,000. So yes, I spent $50,000. Oh, wait, 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 a company, like a mentorship company. <laughs> yeah, it was a mentorship company. It was a wow. mentorship. And so I've always invested in myself. Right. And so for me, this investment yielded um, a return that was a six-figure flip. My first uh, flip was a six-figure flip. $1,000 yielded me um, six figures coming back in. And so I 
think for me, the investment was worth it, but that is really how I got intrigued by watching my uncle take care of our family using real estate. So that's how I got into real estate. Wow. Okay. So I like that you said it was an investment in yourself. Yes. A lot of people don't want to spend any money on a mentor <laughs> because they just think, oh, the information is out there. I could do it on my own. So I don't know if Absolutely. one, if that's a like an ego thing, like, mm -hmm. oh, I could be self-made. I can figure it out myself. You can eventually, how much time is that going to take? How many more errors and head bumps are you going to experience just going through it by yourself? Because you want to be able to, maybe you want to say, oh, I did this all with myself. But I also think people don't realize no matter how, like who, no matter how successful you get, no successful person, even if they're self-made air quotes, it actually did it by themselves. Like Absolutely. there's always a connection. There's always a resource. There's always information given like so-and-so's dad knew so-and-so's uncle and they gave you a job over here or gave you the internship or whatever it is. So Absolutely. it's always some kind of somebody helped along the way somewhere, even if it wasn't physical labor and doing it for you and handing it to you on a silver platter. Yes. That, that's not the definition of self, of not being self-made, I don't think. But anyway, um, you said you bumped your head a few times on, on the first way. So tell me one of the earlier flips or real estate investing scenarios or whatever happened that was a big like learning lesson. So I came back. To, so I was, I had partnered with um, a few people out of Chicago. So I did a couple of flips in Chicago and I said, you know what, I'm going back to Texas and I'm going to do this. <laughs> Ariel got this now. So I've done a couple of deals up here. <laughs> I'm about to take it. I'm about to take my talent to Texas and yeah. I to Texas. And um, again, not knowing the ins and outs, um, all of the contracts, the paperwork. And so I was thinking about becoming a realtor so I could get more leads and get more deals so I could build more relationships. Because I'm always thinking about how I can add to what I already have. And so I went to this real estate class and I met a realtor, a licensed realtor there. And so we sat beside each other. We were just talking. And so she was like, well, what? You're planning on getting your license? You already have your license? I said, no. I said, I've done, I've done a couple of flips. And so now I'm looking to see if I want to add um, a license to my tool belt, but I'm not sure right now. So this is why I'm taking this class. And it was a three-day class. And so we started talking and, you know, before we left, she was like, hey, let me give you my number. I think we probably can partner on some deals together. And I got excited because she's a licensed realtor. She has a fiduciary duty not to take advantage of anyone. So I partnered with her on a couple of deals not knowing that there are certain things and certain language that I need to look for in a contract. So she wrote up a contract, wrote up a promissory note. She was like, hey, we need to partner on this. I was so excited. And I wired her $15,000. $15,000. And a week later, guess what? She changed her telephone number. She, she just like, it's almost like she fell off of the face of the earth, right? So it's I, not funny. I'm sorry. It's not funny. I still had a business card and I was like, so this, this lady just changed her telephone number on me. So I was like, okay. So I called her broker, had a conversation with her broker. Her broker said, that has nothing to do with me. You need to take that up with the uh, Texas real estate commission. I was like, okay. So took it up with the uh, Texas real estate commission. They told me I had to file criminal charges. When I filed criminal charges, took that back to them. So I kept getting the runaround. And so 
I found out in that moment was that you can trust, but you need to verify also, right? And so I trusted that because she had a license, she had a fiduciary duty that she would not take advantage of me, but she did. Um, the second thing is that I should have gotten a title search ran on the house when she gave me the signed contract and when she gave me the promissory note. I could have easily took that to the title company and say, hey, can you run title on this to tell me if this really belongs to her? Because what I found out was that she uh, cultivated this contract that was, it was false, right? So I was about to say, it's cultivated a nice name for like fabric, like fabricated, like doctor. Absolutely. So she she gave me a fake contract. So she came to the table and she knew what she was doing out the gate. Even the company that she used had been out of business since 2013. Oh my God. In 2017, when we did this deal. So I had to go through the litigation of hiring an attorney, um, sending demand letters. Um, It was just, it was a whirlwind, right? But then I thought that for people that this may be their last, right? So for her, she didn't know if it was my last or not. She asked me how much money I had. And I said, oh, I got 15,000. I had 15,000 to spare, right? So for me, I took the 15,000 and I invested it because I'm always investing in myself. But mm-hmm. if that had been someone that didn't have 15,000 to spare, they wouldn't have been able to hire an attorney to go after her because I still had to hire an attorney. I still had to retain him. So that was another $10,000 that I had to pay out. And then all of the work that he had to do on the case. So by the end of the case, I ended up spending well over $40,000 just to get my $15,000 back. But I wanted her to know that I was not going to take this laying down and you won't do this to anyone else. So I ended up pressing criminal charges against her and I also did um, a civil suit against her. And then I won the civil suit. And so I was awarded $150,000. I don't know if I'll ever see $150,000. I've seen my $15,000, but I don't know if I ever see the $150,000 because pennies of what she's supposed to be paying me each month. So I say to anyone that's going out here and you really and truly don't know, I'm telling you, you need to get a coach, you need to get a mentor so you don't make the same mistakes that some of us have already made. I'll make the mistake for you, right? So just make sure you find somebody that's really and truly doing this and they're doing it the right way and hire somebody to help you. Just don't go out here and do it because people are, they looking to prey on new individuals that are coming into the field. They are. That's crazy. And so, and that just makes me think of, I mean, I've had my own situation with tenants not paying and having to take them to court and do that whole eviction process. And even a lot of people think mistakenly because you get a, a you win a judgment from a court that that equates to money in your bank account. And it does not. It does like I still have not recovered any of that rental loss. And I had to then on top of not having income for the whole year, since they weren't paying, I had to go hire an investigator to find their bank accounts and find where they work. And look, the investigator, I spent a few thousand dollars for that. And he came back with nothing. He had one yes. bank account that was negative. They didn't have no jobs. I'm like, here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, 
it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Oh, they have jobs. I saw them going out in school every day. They work in, they, in a, a tech somewhere. Like, so it, it was just stuff like that. And I would think, oh, you have an order from a judge. They can just garnish their wages. They can take from their tax return or something. The court does not help you do anything. I have, yeah. So I, I, that's why I was like, oh, did you get 150,000? Cause I got excited for a second. And then you were like, I don't know if I'm going to see 150,000, no. but you got your 15 back. Did you get the 40 back for the attorney fees? Uh-huh. That, that, was, that was roped into the 150. So that was a judge. Uh, okay. me. But I doubt that I ever see that. Right. I mean, there's still hope, but yeah. you know, I wanted to make sure that she knew that you couldn't go out here and do this to individuals to people. And so um, we, you know, while going through my suit, I also found out that she had did it to someone in California. That's why she had left California and came here to Texas. And now she's left Texas and now she's in uh, Michigan. So she goes to each state and she does the same thing. But I wanted to make sure that even though she's in Michigan, I made sure that um, I sent letters up there to let them know that, you know, they have a criminal in the state. So just make sure you watch her. Yes, like see, I love that. I love that. And so it's, it definitely sucks for you. It's a big learning lesson, but I feel like you kind of bit the bullet in spending that extra money for the attorney fees just to show her like, look, you can try to keep playing this game, but we're going to come after you and you can't just keep doing this to people. So at that point, it wasn't just about you. It was about future people who she might be able to take advantage of because like you said you don't know if somebody could lose their shirt and and think oh my god like I took a chance my life savings on investing in real estate and now someone defrauded me and I have nothing left and now they start over from scratch they probably won't even go back into real estate because they're too scarred you know so thank you I appreciate you for even taking that that chance taking you know that biting that bullet for the betterment of society in general (laughs) so thank you thank you for even going through that journey that sounds oh my gosh I just think a couple of more gray hairs sprouted just hearing that story because that's that would stress me out um yeah I always tell people it's part of the business right so um it's a risk that you take when you're investing in real estate and so you have to be willing to take risks you know, in order to make money in real estate, but I wasn't going to allow her to, I wasn't going to allow it. I mean, for me, um, because it happened to me and because she was smart with me when I finally caught up with her, she's like, I just file you in my bankruptcy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'll file okay. you in bankruptcy. Yo, that just made my blood boil. I just want to like, if I didn't just buy this computer, I just want to punch up my computer screen. And like, not for you, for her. Like, it, pretending her face. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Woosa. Woosa. All right. How did you develop such tough skin? Because I think getting in real estate, you have to learn how to be able to roll with the punches and take things like this as a lesson and not a loss. Because it's not a loss until you stop. But some people are really sensitive, like very emotional with any little thing, but you, you have to have the tougher skin to be in this business. Is that something that can be developed or do you think you're just born with that? Um, I think it's something that can be developed, right? So um, I think the military gave me a sense of that toughness all the time. Um, 
I'm not going to say that I'm always tough because there are times when I'll be like, I just want to cry right now. I just can't believe that I'm going through this right now. Right. So I picked and flipping, which is the most stressful part of real estate. Right. But I love the construction side of the business and I love a good challenge. But I think for me, the military taught me, you know, how to just take a lick and keep going. But I always tell people that come into my coaching program, hey, you have to develop thick skin. So you have to learn how to have these hard conversations. You have to learn how to, you know, when you get a lit, you just got to get up and you got to keep going, right? So I think over time, as, as you start to develop in this real estate space, right, mm -hmm. your why is going to get you up out of bed and your why is going to keep you going. So I think that the advantage, or I, sometimes they say it's the advantage. I think for me, it's the military. The military got that sense of toughness. And sometimes I come off as being very, very harsh. And so, <laughs> um, but I mean, the toughness came from the military. And so, but just seeing my mom as I was growing up, my mom was a tough cookie also. So I picked up some of those traits for her. Also, that regardless of what life gives you and life may knock you down a couple of times, you still just get back up. And so um, I would say my mom, the military is a combination of each other. But I think that it can be learned as you go through real estate. And it's going to be something that you're going to have to endure if you want to stay in this game. Because real estate is tough. It is tough. Entrepreneurship is tough. But real estate is really tough. Yeah. And I think what you said is the why. The why has to be strong enough to get you out of bed and strong enough to keep you going through whatever the obstacle is that you encounter. And people probably hear, make sure your why or what's your why, what's your why all the time. And I don't think they really understand like your why can't just be the money, right? That's yeah. not a strong enough reason because you will quit way too quickly. Yes. That's the only thing making you move forward or the, your only motivation for getting into real estate or whatever other tough industry that you're picking. Okay. Um, so I do want to pivot a little bit. Okay. I know okay. you said con contracting got you into interested into project management. And to mm -hmm. me, I know listeners of this podcast are, um, I'm hoping I'm encouraging them to look at investing in rental property, specifically multifamily, but in project management, that in my brain triggers the idea of like asset management. It's kind of the same. Um, you're overseeing the business plan for repositioning the, the property that you purchase. Like if you were going to do some type of value add and increase the equity or the cash flow or whatever. So in project management, what is it a about project management that you like and what like explain what project management is especially for on the construction side and how should people be going about you know getting started in project management and making sure they have their their t's crossed and i's dotted okay so the project management so i got intrigued because after i started doing the contracting work um the crew that I was working with in Chicago, they always had a project manager on site. So the project manager was there to oversee the whole entire project. They are there to make sure that your project gets from A to Z. So, and if there's anything that's going on within the project, they are there to handle it. So we did. they didn't bother the investors, right? And they didn't bother the 
um, realtor that was on the deal because I was working with the realtor, the project manager, and the contractors because I wanted to know everything about the project. I was this is my first time doing this, and you know I got I got a lot of money tied up in this, so I want to know about it. <laughs> so watching this project manager, the way that he flowed, the way that he had systems in place when he hit a roadblock, the way that he went around some of the roadblocks, I was like, man. I became intrigued, right? So I started digging in some of the material that he had. He had binders on site. So if there was something that was changed on the site, he was like, hey, we got to submit a change order. And I'm like, what is a change order? And he was like, oh, this is a form that they use and we have to get with the investors to make sure that they agree with the change. And a change order could be like, hey, we wanted these finishes. We wanted gold finishes, but they don't have any gold finishes in. So to keep the project moving forward, we're going to use um, silver stain and then maybe we'll paint it or whatever. So then a change order has to be submitted. And with the change order, it has to be sent to the investor. And the investor have to agree. And then the contractor has to agree because there may be a price difference. So I started getting intrigued because I'm a systems girl. I love systems, right? I love I love for things to flow the way they're supposed to. So when things go right, I yeah, get on edge. <laughs> so I, I got intrigued. And so I was like, man, I really want to learn how to do this. But I was in learning the construction part of it. And I wanted to make sure that the contracting part of it, I had that down and then I will move to something different. So what they will learn with me, like when people work with me, they'll be like, okay, Avery, you stick with one thing for six months to a year. I do because I want to learn in and out. And I know there will be things that I'm still going to learn, but I want to make sure someone comes to me, I'll be like, oh, yep, that's it. We need to move here. We need to move that. So I got intrigued with the project management because I've seen him like the project just flow the way it was supposed to. And mm -hmm. even when he hit roadblocks, he went around and he maneuvered around those and he didn't have to pick up the phone and call anybody. I was like, yeah, I'm going to project manage my own deals from here on out. So I'm going to learn project management. So I ended up doing another investment. It wasn't a $50,000 investment, but it was a $15,000 investment. So I went and invested and I learned project management. So now, I mean, you know, I just keep adding stuff to my tool belt, right? Because mm -hmm. you know when you may need it. And because I went and got myself certified for this project management, now I have people now seeking me out saying, hey, would you project manage my deal? That's another, that's another stream of income for me, right? So I'm not only doing my deals, but I'm also project managing other people's deals. Okay, perfect. And I think you mentioned before that you're, have you started, you, you, somebody hired you to project manage a multi-unit, right? Project Have you started that yet? I'm project managing a 22-unit in Waco right now. Are you enjoying this episode? Then stop what you're doing right now. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It really helps our show get pushed to more people who are looking for the information that we're sharing here. We have to share the wealth. If you listen to us on YouTube, make sure you like the episode that you're listening to right now and subscribe to our channel. Then share the channel with somebody else. There are people out there looking for the information you're listening to right now. So make sure you share it with someone who you know needs it. Now back to the show. Okay. So the, the question I have then is when you're doing a residential fix and flip, those mm -hmm. are, you're selling those to the end user, like the homeowner who's going to live in there. Normally you have to have upgraded finishes and, you know, the wood, real wood flooring and granite and all the other stuff. But when you have a rental property, you want things to look nice. You want them to look like they're wood or look like they're granite, but you want them to be more durable, not stained, not chip, all those kind of things. So like for people who are looking to buy rentals, 
what are some areas that like, is there any suggestion on types of material that you should use for like flooring or countertops or where you should source these from and to get like a durable quality that will last through the uh, not abuse, but like the use of someone who doesn't own the property. So they don't really care if they slam something on the desk. You know what I mean? Like something like that, because as you're turning units, you don't want to have to replace things every time you do somebody moves out because you want it to be durable and just put that cost up front. So I know that was a long question, but yeah, any suggestions or ideas on the types of materials you should be looking for or where to source them? So it depends. So it so the the units that I'm turning over in Waco, right? They wanted something that was durable, but they didn't want to spend an arm and a leg for each unit because they're yes. 22 units, right? Yeah. So they looked and they say, hey, for each unit, we want to spend no more than forty five thousand dollars a door. And I was like, okay, so what are we what are we turning in here for forty five thousand dollars a door, right? So are we doing floors? Are we doing walls, bathrooms? And so when I walked into these units, most of these units, the bathroom needed to be done in all of them because they had plumbing issues. Um, the HVAC needed to be done. And also um, they had towel work that needed to be done in some of them and <laughs> the electrical and all of this. So I was like, there's no way that you can get these turned with $45,000 a door, right? So then we had back to the table and we said, hey, what are some of the finishes that we may want to like do without for now until you start cash flowing in these assets. And then we can actually come back in and maybe do something different. So what we did is that instead of replacing the cabinets, we're sanding down the cabinets, we're staining the cabinets and we're gonna paint the cabinets. So anything that we could salvage inside of the apartment units, that's what we were doing. But like the big mechanical things, those are things that you can't get around, right? So people mm -hmm. need a home where they can flush and stuff goes down. Um, they need to make sure that the electrical panel is not working because they've had a fire in one of these units because of the electrical power, right? So she had a, I think you call it a, a like a little strip and they, she plugged it to the wall and then she, she over uh, surged the protector. And so they had fire in there. So it told me that, hey, we need to update these panels. Some of the, some of the homes have been updated with the panel. Some of them were not. So I think when you go inside of a unit, you just need to see what needs to be done. And then depending on how they tell you, I mean, for the amount of money that they want to spend for each unit, we'll determine what type of finishes and flooring and all of that that you can actually put in it. Because, I mean, they wanted expensive paint, right? They wanted the silk finish looking paint. I was like, not for no $45,000 a door. That, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Right. So there's well, is the silk finish paint more durable? Because I know I've heard some paint, it has like a better quality. So like you can wipe it clean instead of repainting. Like is all paint basically, is that marketing or is, is there some paint that is better than other paint? So they were, they were doing it because of the appearance, because they were going to look oh. in three years. Right. So they wanted yeah. something going to be attractive. They wanted something that could possibly last. But I'm like, you better get some there and you better keep it moving, right? So just get the paint right now. You just, we just need to make sure that it looks presentable, that it's rentable. And then we can come back in and do all of the other things. But again, it goes to the sponsor, right? So the principals that are on this um, mm -hmm. was their second unit. I mean, the second uh, asset that they purchased and they overpaid for the other asset that they had and they over rehabbed. 
because it's a rental. It's wear and tear that's going to be inside of these homes, right? And it wasn't in an area where you have like doctors and nurses. You're, you're looking in a lower income area. And so it's going to be a lot of wear and tear people that had vouchers with a whole bunch, a lot of kids, right? So you just got to think about the area that you're going in and you're rehabbing in, and that will require like the material and stuff. And so we have we have contracts and we have uh, vendors that we work with um, where we can get bulk of things. And so just building those relationships and going to the vendor and be like, hey, I need something that's going to be real sturdy. I need something that's going to be durable, but I need it to look presentable also. So I don't want to, we don't want to lay floor and then they come in there and they, you know, they're moving stuff all over the floor and then, it, you know, the panels pop or whatever. So it, it, just, it just depends. <laughs> oh my goodness. So that, those were some major gems right there. So guys, if you are looking to buy rentals, don't go in there. And I hear this all the time, like, because people want to renovate with what they would want to live in. Like yes. they, they're looking at it with the eye of like, oh, I wouldn't live in here, but this is not for you. This is an investment. You are not going to live here. You can still make things nice clean and presentable and lasting and durable without upgrading over what market will bear. And it also depends on the, the, the class of tenant that you have and who is, who are the tenants that are going to live in your unit? So that's going to be a big, what kind of, what class area are you in a class A or B area? Is this a B or C building? Because that all depends on how your unit should look and what money you should spend on the inside. I'll tell you, I went to my three unit the other day to re-sign lease with, with my tenants. They're on vouchers and they are wonderful. I love, I love that. They just like cause me no problems. Everything's okay. Okay. Right. And there's never like an issue. I went over there signed lease and I'm looking around and I'm like, oh my God, this is why you're supposed to do regular inspections to see the, the quality of your place. Cause yeah, they have a few kids and no matter how nice they are, like I, their kids literally from, cause I could tell halfway from the wall down their height was just pen marks, crayons, markers all over all the walls that I just had this whole apartment repainted right before they moved in here. And I uh -huh. looked around, I was looking at the walls like, you don't know how much like I had to, I didn't say nothing. I just looked, but I wanted to bring it up so bad. Like, what are they doing on these walls? Y'all can't, y'all can't do that. But I left it. I'm like, they do have a, a security voucher. So uh -huh. whenever they do move, move out, I can cash that voucher and get the place repainted and everything else. Uh -huh. And just even like, there was a leak by the window in the, in the living room. And I could see like from the curtains, like that the, the um, plaster at the bottom was kind of like wearing out and it looked like you could tell there was water damage. So I'm looking, I'm, and I, so I did point to that because water is not something you want to play with people. You need any water issues you got to get fixed. So I pointed that, I said, okay, so what's happening here? Like, is that from water leaking from the windowsill? And they're like, yeah, but it's no big problem. It's no, no, no problem. No big deal. Cause they don't want to there. They just don't want to, they just want to live in peace. They don't want to cause any issues. They don't want me to have to come out, like fix a bunch of things. So they don't complain about stuff, which is good and bad because I need to know when things are happening because I just need to, I've got, I've tried to piecemeal that window a few different times. And this is a lesson for everybody listening, please 
don't do that. <laughs> Just spend the money up front to get things done correctly the right way the first time. Um, and, and learn to vet because the contractor, air quote contractors, I don't know what he is, but he had turned one of my units before. And I, so I contacted him and I said, do you know how to replace windows? Because another set of my tenants were fighting and broke that living room window. And oh, so wow. that's, I had that replaced and he's like, oh yeah, I know how to do it. I know how to do it. Not since, ever since he replaced it, nothing but problems. It just leaks in anytime there's rain or water or anything. And before it was worse. And I've had, I have, have had him and like two or three other contractors coming in and sealing with rubber cement on the outside, climbing up ladders, doing all the things to make this not leak anymore. And it's uh -huh. still leaks. Because I found out that that first guy who told me, oh yeah, I could do this window. Had, that was the first window he had ever replaced. And he was like, oh, I'm never going to do another window like that before. That was the first one I did. And I'm never going to do that again. He told it to me when I had him back in there to see why I was leaking. I'm like, really? Really, dude? Like, you just lied to me and told me you could do a window. And I didn't vet it more. I didn't mm -hmm. ask for pictures or references or how many windows that have you replaced before? Like I should have dug in on the questioning. So like um, Abriel said before, trust, but verify and get the information that you need to make a proper decision. And if I had went to, you know, another, a big window specific company that was like a licensed window company, I would have paid an arm and a leg, but it, guess what? It would have been finished right the first time. And then years later, I wouldn't be having the issue. So now guess what I got to do? I spent all this money on this window already, but now I got to hire the licensed people that I should have hired the very first time. So everyone just learned from my mistakes. I shared that story to let you know how important it is to trust and verify your contractors and to also just make sure you put the right products in and don't, don't over-renovate, all, all the things, all the things. So when someone is, because you said we are going to wrap soon. Oh my goodness. Look at the time. Anyway, this is a great, 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 great conversation. My, my people, they're, they're used to me and my wonderful guests just chatting for a long time because we got so much gems and things to unearth here. Okay, guys, don't kill me, but I'm going to have to cut this episode short. This is too juicy and we need to do this in a part two. So stay tuned for the next episode that airs and you can hear the rest of our conversation. Did you love this episode of Share the Wealth Show? Be sure to connect with Nicole by following her on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. If you picked up any of the gems that were dropped by today's guest, make sure you not only put them in your bag, but if you know of someone who would benefit from this information, don't keep it to yourself. Share the wealth and make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you for next week's episode. Subscribe so you'll be notified. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply.